center us on your words this morning as we continue talking about what it means to know our God. We talked about being a spirit, a heart, an attitude of gratitude last week. Now we consider what the O means and how that O is so important for each one of us as we think about knowing you and serving you. So pour into the words you've given to me. May they be acceptable and pleasing to you. And may they speak to us in a powerful way about whatever place needs to hear that O the most today. Let us go forth into your glory now and to hear your word. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, people of God, said together, Amen. So here is something you may not know. As Arabian horses are trained rigorously in the Middle Eastern deserts, the horses must learn to fully obey their master. This obedience is tested by depriving the horses of water, it sounds cruel, I know, for many days, and then turning them loose near the water. As the horses get to the edge of the water, and just before they drink the water that they need, the trainer blows his whistle. If the horses have learned to obey, they turn around and come back to the trainer even though they are so thirsty, who then gives them as much water as they need. See, the trainer knows what the horses need and will not allow them to die of thirst, but they must trust him first. That's the hard part. Trusting in God and not doing what we want to first. Amen? And just like the trainer, God knows what we need. Wants to supply it. But we must learn to trust and obey because as the old hymn says, there is no other way to trust Jesus. So anyone who wants to know God, to walk closely with God, must blank God. So what is our O for today? Obey. Obey. Orange. You say orange, really? Lester. You troublemaker. That's Debbie's job. Well, actually, it's Louise's job, but it's okay. Obedience. Obey. We are to have a soul of obedience. Sounds like a strong statement, doesn't it? Obedience is not really a positive word these days. For some, it seems cold and harsh. For others, it carries overtones of legalism and religion or control. Perhaps for all of us, it challenges our inherent drive towards being self-sufficient and the individualistic bent that pervades our culture that we can do everything we want to on our own. We don't need anybody for anything. As Americans, we don't want anyone to tell us what to do, including God. We think it's what freedom means. I always see it on 4th of July. I always see the the video from Channel 4 or something like that and ask somebody, what does freedom mean? 
It means I can do whatever I want to do. That's not what freedom means. There are many things that we can do that we should not do. Because that's the freedom, you see. Freedom is not, you don't have the the ability to be able to go out and do anything you want to do. You can't just go out and drive your car on the left side of the road. You can do that. You'll probably kill somebody and yourself, or at least them. You can do any of those things. But there are still costs for it. There are still consequences. Freedom isn't just doing whatever you want to do, especially when it intersects other people. See, but we like that idea that somehow we don't have to obey anything. You know, most of us don't obey the speed limits that are set down. If you ever want to start talking about breaking laws and not following things, it won't take us very long to get very far down before all of us will have checked off one box or another. If you've ever gone one mile over the speed limit that's posted, you've broken the law. There is no way around that. You just haven't gotten caught. Or some of you have gotten caught. And gotten tickets for that. But every time, and we justify it, and we figure out, like, well, five miles is okay. And usually five miles is okay because the radars can't possibly pick you up doing five miles over the speed limit. So that's what we sit around and do in our cars. I know you do, don't. I know. Ten miles is okay because this road never should have a speed limit of 30 anyways. I don't know why there's a 30 on this road in the first place. And, of course, I know better than the road sign does. We don't like to obey things. It's not our nature. But how many of us have stopped to think that our avoidance of obedience may be, just may be, keeping us from one of the greatest keys to the enjoyment of God and the transformation of our lives? If that was the key, wouldn't you want it? To be able to know that kind of life with God, amen? We'd want that. You see, from Genesis to Revelation, the Bible has a lot to say about obedience, just like it had a lot to say last week about gratitude. And I hope you checked up on all those notes and went through it and really sorted through and tried to avoid the gratitude killers. From the story of the Ten Commandments, we saw how important the concept of obedience is to God. But what if I ask you to name all the Ten Commandments right now? The name of them all, looking them up without doing anything else, and to write them all down and turn them in for your test today and be able to do that. Most of us will get about maybe six, seven. You might get to eight. There'll be an elusive one or two that you just can't seem to figure out no matter how hard you try. Amen? We like to make a deal of posting them in places, of building monuments to them in parks, but we barely know them in our hearts. Ouch. It's true. Those are the old rules. We don't follow those anymore. We don't follow that part. Deuteronomy 11.1 1 says, So love the Lord your God and follow His instructions, His regulations, His case law, and His commandments always. We're going to be all over the Bible today, so you're going to be, if you like to try and follow me, you're going to be flipping those pages a lot. Or follow on screen, or most of all, follow on the app, because the app has got all laid out right there, and you can write your notes. And everybody this week, when you got that, that uh, text for me, you went right to the app. It's exactly what it looks like. So I hope that you will think about adding that to your list of things that you can do. Later in chapter 11, 26 through 28, sums it up like this. Obey, and you will be blessed. 
disobey and you will be cursed. So the general concept of obedience, both in the Old and the New Testaments, relates to hearing a higher authority and following it. One of the Greek terms for obedience conveys the idea of positioning oneself under the command of someone else by submitting to their authority. Another Greek word for obey in the New Testament means to trust. So biblical obedience to God means to hear, to trust, to submit and surrender to God and God's word. And there are six reasons why, there's lots more I'm sure, why obedience is to God is important. The first one of these is that Jesus calls us to obedience. Say it with me. Jesus calls us to obedience. In Jesus Christ, we find the perfect model for obedience. As his disciples, we follow Christ's example as well as his commands. C.S. Lewis said, Obedience is the key that opens every door. But how do we obey without falling into legalism and just obeying? Well, we do it through love. Because that's the great commandment. That's the whole piece of obeying that Jesus speaks about more than anything else is through love. Jesus said, if you, what? Love me. Then you will keep my commandments. Our motivation for obedience is love, not just rules. You know, your obedience for following the speed limit is not because you love to follow the speed limit. Your obedience for the speed limit is so you don't want to get caught. And have you ever noticed even when you're not, you're not even going over the speed limit, when there's a cop that's off to the side somewhere that you haven't seen, all of a sudden you break anyways, even though you're doing the speed limit or lower, because your fear is you'll be caught for doing something that normally you usually are doing. See, that's not what it is with Jesus. Our obedience is out of love. Just as Jesus' love for the Father was expressed in his obedience and what he did. So our love for Jesus is expressed in our obedience in the New Testament. We learn through the example of Jesus Christ as the believers who are called to a life of obedience. And our freedom, which seems like it's completely different, but our freedom actually begins when we obey. You see, our freedom begins when we respond to the love of God as it meets us in Jesus' call to repent, which just simply means to turn around and to believe the gospel. That's when our freedom begins. And you have to be able to obey that in order to be able to begin. In Greek, these two verbs that are actually used are commands to be obeyed in that last scripture. And they summon us to turn from disobedience of unbelief to the obedience of faith. Through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for the sake of his name. Romans 1.5 And the gift of faith makes all of this possible for us. Confident trust in Jesus. His message gives us life. It turns us around. It frees us. It sets in motion this great reversal in our life. You know, if your car doesn't have reverse, you probably aren't going to get very far, are you? 
You ever had that problem before where it won't, where it won't go into reverse and you're just going to like, I can't do anything. Following Jesus means taking steps forward and bite what we call the obedience of faith. There's a reason why your windshield is bigger than your rearview mirror, right? You're not supposed to be going backwards all the time. You're supposed to be going forward. That's what it means to follow in obedience to Jesus. Moving steadily away from our former areas of disobedience back into the will of God. Second, obedience is actually an act of worship. Say that with me. Obedience is an act of worship. You ever seen that? That's an act of worship? When the Bible places strong emphasis on obedience, it's critical to remember that believers were not justified, made righteous by our actions. That's not how it works. Or by obedience. Salvation is a free gift from God. That's our understanding. It's how we know things. We can do nothing to earn it, to deserve it, to merit it. That's how it works. And so true Christian obedience flows from a heart and an attitude of gratitude like we talked about last week. Not because we have to obey some set of rules in order to be forgiven or get our gold star for the week. Romans 12.1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your what? Spiritual worship. A living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable to God. That is your worship. Third, God rewards obedience. God rewards obedience. Say it with me. God rewards obedience. What are the rewards of obedience? Over and over again, we see in the Bible that God blesses those who are obedient. It's through all of the stories. Exodus 19.5 Now therefore, if you obey my voice, keep my covenant, you shall be treasured possessions out of all the people. You see this time and time again with the Israelites. Luke 11.28 But he said, who is that? Jesus said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and what? Obey it. It isn't enough to hear the word of God. You can know your Bible backwards and forwards. If you don't live it out, it makes no difference whatsoever. Amen? Who hear the word of God and obey it. For our James lovers out there. Yeah, I know James lovers. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at, in your face, at your face in a mirror. You see yourself and walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you've heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Amen? 
It's a strong text. Fourth, obedience to God proves our love. Say it with me. Obedience to God proves our love. It proves it. The books of 1 John and 2 John clearly explain that obedience to God demonstrates love for God. When you're obedient to God, it demonstrates your love. Does it not in other ways too in your life? When you obey your parents, are you not trying to show them that you love them and that you believe what they're trying to do to help you? When you obey the thing that says the light is red, I'm not going to drive through it in the middle of the intersection. There are lots of reasons for that. What if we all just decided one day that we just don't want to listen to that and I'm just going to go when I want to go? The best part is we don't have traffic lights, how people act. It's hilarious. People are trying to figure out what to do. And they've been taught. They've been taught. It was taught in your driver's license materials. I mean, you were taught what to do when there's not any light at all and when there's a flashing light, and whether it's red or yellow and all that. But we still just don't seem to know how to act when we don't have that piece of it. Some folks are really nice, let folks go. Some folks just plow right through and don't even bother to stop. Other folks hesitate. It's almost like coming to a four-way stop. My, my worst thing in life is when I come to a four-way stop and there's four cars, mine and everybody else. And there's absolutely the same time. So there's no way to gauge exactly who's supposed to go because you're supposed to, who's supposed to go first at a four-way stop? Traffic people. Wow. That was clear, wasn't it, Dana? Everybody knew exactly. That's why you guys run into each other because nobody even knows. Person to your right. Is that right? Who says person to your right? Raise your hand. We might have a little poll right here. Let's see. And it's kind of it's divided. Who says person to your left? Raise your hand for that. Anybody say that? What's that? Person who got there first. I heard that answer too. Yeah, got some of that. Of course, that won't help you if they all come at the same time. Then you're really in big trouble. This happens in my neighborhood all the time. The person what? Who's bravest? bravest. (laughs) That's right, Shelly. That's right. Who's bravest? I mean, so loving God... It implies this whole idea of following his commands. We, we want to do what's right. We want to do what makes the most sense to be able to show our love to God. 1 John 5, 2-3 says, By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and what? Obey his commandments. You want to show you love people and love God? You obey the commandments. For this is love of God, that we keep his commandments This is love, that we live according to his commands. This is the command that you heard from the beginning. Live in love. So the command he's talking about again and again and again is what? Love. Not the Ten Commandments, which all are based on love when you think about that. The Ten Commandments actually are not negative things. They are positive things. But what you should not do to each other because they break relationships with God and with each other. That's the Ten Commandments. When you do go back and look at them, remember all ten of them? When you look at them, they are breaking relationship with God and breaking relationship with others. Two planes, two levels of existence that Jesus talked about as being the main things. Love others, love your neighbors as you love yourself, as you love God. It's the same thing. Fifth, obedience to God demonstrates our faith. Say that with me. Obedience to God demonstrates our faith, right? So it proves it, but it also demonstrates it. 
Sometimes words are enough to prove something. Sometimes you need some actions to go along with it. When we obey God, we show our trust, our faith in God. Put your money where your, what? Where your mouth is, right? We like that phrase a lot. Where the rubber meets the... And we can be sure that we know God if we obey his commandments. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. I don't think he's mincing any words there. It's important to demonstrate that. You can't really tell somebody you love them and then treat them like dirt. It doesn't work. Your actions don't line up with your words. So it's important to demonstrate that. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. This is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. 1 John 2. 1 John, 2 John are a great place to go and think about obeying. If you're looking for one place to land. 6. Through obedience, we experience the blessings of holy living. Read with me. We experience the blessing of holy living, right? I mean, only Jesus Christ is perfect. Only he could walk in a sinless life in perfect obedience. But as we allow the Holy Spirit to transform us within, we grow what is called holiness. That same kind of perfection. We know this process, especially in the United Methodist Church, as sanctification. Say sanctification for me. Impress your friends at lunch. I'm in the process of sanctification. Sanctification, it simply means we made holy. We made holy. It can also be described as our spiritual growth. That sanctification that our whole life is spent to grow closer to Christ spiritually every day and in every way. Even when we fall back, and sometimes we do, but to continue to move forward no matter what, that's sanctification. And the more we read God's word and spend time with Jesus and allow the Holy Spirit to change us from within, the more we grow in our knowledge of obedience and in our holiness as Christians. The more we trust God, the easier it becomes to obey, amen? When it's hard is when we hold it together ourselves. When we continue to be the person that says, I've got it all figured out. Psalm 119 says several things during the course of the verses, but it says, Joyful are people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. Joyful are those who obey his laws and search for him with all their hearts. And then it says later on, You have charged us to keep your commandments carefully. And then I love the last part of that. It says, Please don't give up on me. It already knows that obeying is going to be hard, the writer of the psalm. But don't give up on me, God. If we walk with God and obey God's word and we follow the direction and leading of the Holy Spirit, we'll enjoy the close relationship that we desire so much. We'll relish in the benefits of that relationship. That's the blessing. 
The more that we trust in God, the more that we obey, the closer we get to God, the more we understand God, the more that we feel confident and secure. That's the blessing. And so once we have that obedience, then that obedience is going to draw us closer to God in five short ways. First, when you're obedient, you can walk with God. When you're obedient, you can walk with God. Right? I mean, think about, no one can walk with God without being obedient. There's no way. You can't follow God. You're trying to lead. God's back there somewhere. You're over here in the front somewhere, you know, out there going, you know, where's God? Well, God's back there. Well, I won't wait for God. You ever do that sometime, you know, someone's just too slow for you? So you're like, well, I'm not waiting for them. I'm just going to keep going on, leave them behind. I don't have time to wait for that person. We can't do this together. We're gonna, I'm going to go up here and take care of things. That's how we are with God. I don't need God. I'm going to take care of this myself. And then when we get into trouble or something like that, then we look back and we go, oh, where, 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 God, where were you? Why didn't you help me? And God's back there saying, look, I stopped over here because that was a cliff you were walking off and you decided you want to do it on your own. Amen? You can't outpace God. If you outpace God, you'll never get to the place you want to go. It just won't work. There are examples like Adam and Noah in the Old Testament who enjoyed walking closely with the Lord. That's a word that's kind of used a lot of times in the Old Testament. They walked with God. And how obedience played an important part in that relationship with each one of them. Think about it for Adam and for Noah and how obedience was very important in those relationships and disobedience as well. Then there was Enoch. Everybody knows about Enoch. He was the most famous person in the entire Bible, right? Oh, there's a lot of laughing in that corner over there. The biblical scholars are all laughing in the back. The Bible records that Enoch lived in close fellowship with God for 300 years. Can you imagine that? Walking in close fellowship with God for 300 years? You might actually get it right by then. I mean, 300 years, you might have a, a little more time to figure it out. He was obeying God's commands. He was learning God's ways and caring for the things that most concerned God. That was Enoch's life. And as a result of that, Scripture tells us that Enoch did not experience an earthly death. Instead of what it says in verse 24 of Genesis 5, instead he disappeared because God took him. That's what it says. We don't know what that means. Enoch did not die. In all the Bible, some folks have been resurrected, but Enoch did not die. Because of his closeness to God and his obeying, which is very interesting. Number two, when you're obedient, you can obey God's voice. When you're obedient then and you understand obedience, then you can obey God's voice. As believers, we have the ability to follow God and obey God's voice. And you'll know God's voice. And we can know God's voice in the nature through God's word and God's Holy Spirit and the wisdom God gives other believers like pastors and mentors, people in your small group, sometimes in your small groups, these three and four groups that we've started, and even 10 to 12 size groups, there's such wisdom that comes out from each other that it's more than you possibly could have expected. Because God's there. You're being obedient to doing exactly what God told you to do, which is be together in community in small groups. That's a 
Jesus was all about this. Remember the whole sermon series last fall? It'll come back again. He met with three to four people, and he had 10 to 12. He spent 85% of his time with the 12 disciples. That means for us, it's three to fours, small group, 10 to 12, a little larger. But same in those experiences, there's so much you can hear from each other in that, from godly friends. Deuteronomy 4, 5 through 6 says, Look, I now teach you these decrees and regulations just as the Lord my God commanded me so that you may what? Obey them in the land you're about to enter and occupy. Obey them completely and you will display your wisdom and intelligence among the surrounding nations. These are the words to who? Right? Moses didn't obey God's commands. And what happened to Moses? He didn't get to go in the promised land after all of the 40 years he had spent with them because he took it upon himself to take charge and not obey what God exactly had said. Joshua was the one that had to bring them in. When we follow God's voice, we help others see, too. We, help other, we obey God's voice. We help people see God's wisdom in us. And hopefully that might translate into them, too, so that we're not a stumbling block to them because we're not obeying God. And we're telling somebody else to do something which really we're not doing ourselves. Number three, when you're obedient, you will be blessed. God promises that if we will obey God, blessings will follow. Look at these verses that show the connection between God's blessings and obedience. Once again, Joshua 1.8. Getting ready to go, promised land. Study this book of instructions continually. Meditate on it day and night so you'll be sure to what? Obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Well, that's Old Testament. Well, how about going to the New Testament? What does Jesus say? John 14, 21. Those who accept my commandments and what? Obey them are the ones who love me. Now, it's always interesting because whatever translation you might have doesn't always use the word obey. There's several different words like practice, obey. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. All of this happens because what? Because you obey my commandments, which are to love God and love your neighbor. And number four... When you're obedient, you're choosing God's best. When you're listening to God, when you're obeying God, you're choosing God's best. We spend a lot of our life just accepting mediocre stuff, settling. Oh, well, that's pretty good. That's not half bad. Well, that's not a bad show to watch. Is that really what you base your life on of? It's not a bad show to watch or a bad movie to go see or there's not too much violence in that. Well, there's not a whole lot of blood in that compared to Reservoir Dogs. Anybody that's seen that would know what I'm talking about or any Quentin Tarantino movie for that matter. Is that how we base life on? It's just, it's not bad. It's neutral. What about things that are good for us? that actually empower us or raise us up, make us better people. They're not as fun. They're not as edgy. We make fun of them usually. 
I've been reading Mr. Ro- the, uh, the book of Mr. Rogers. Maybe it'll come out next, you know, next year, Tom Hanks. He was the same guy that we saw on the, on the television screen when we were sitting there watching him. He was the same guy in life. And this one, one thing, he went on Johnny Carson, and he talked in the same exact way as he talked on the show. And Johnny wanted to make fun of him. And Fred Rogers said, it's okay, you can laugh. This is who I am. And the book is incredible about what, uh, you know, I grew up with that show. Who grew up with watching Mr. Rogers? By the 80s, we made fun of it. That's when it started to come out. He never said, he never said, can you say that? He never said that in the entire show. But, of course, Eddie Murphy fame with, you know, Mr. Robinson's Neighborhood on Saturday Night Live and all the other stuff. We made fun of him. And yet, you should see behind the scenes what he was doing. The way that show was run, how people were treated, what he would do. There was a script for everything. People wanted to come in and just ad-lib. And he said, no, the kids who watch it deserve better than us just making it up. He spent all his time, the whole reason that he did the first thing, I was reading this just, they call these toast sticks. Because his uh, grandmother would cut bread and in in, in let him cut bread into little toast sticks. And they would enjoy that, that together. And so the, the book talks about these toast sticks. And one of the toast sticks is, is that the, at the very beginning when he comes in and he basically takes off his outer, you know, his work clothes, you know, and goes in to do this. The whole point of that was to show us the importance of silence and resting before you ever start doing something. That was the whole reason he did that. You'll notice at the beginning of every show, there was a stoplight. And it had what color flashing? You know what color it was? It was yellow. For caution. And he would do that in his life the exact same way. So it's amazing how he would listen to God's command. Because one of the, one of the Ten Commandments is to do what? Observe the Sabbath, right? To actually slow down on Sunday so you're not running around like you're crazy the rest of the days. Is it a law we have to follow? No. Is it a good practice to obey? Yes. But you see, the the obeying part of that, you're choosing God's best. God's love for us is clear from the sacrifice God arranged through Jesus Christ. We can't lose God's love. God's not a tyrant. God has not forced God's will on us. We don't have to do what God says. But God always gives the choice of whether to follow or not. You can decide to make this decision or not. But you're not choosing God's bless best when you're not following God. Isaiah 1, 18-20 says, Come, now let's settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them as white as wool. And then this is the best part. If you will obey me, you will have plenty to eat. But if you turn away and refuse to listen, you will be devoured by the sword of your enemies. I, the Lord, have spoken. Five, and last, when you're obedient, you're trusting God to be God. When you're obedient, you're trusting God to be God. Obeying God means moving aside and allowing God and God's Word and the Holy Spirit and God's way of operating to move in our lives, to get out of the way so God can actually show us how to obey so that we can trust. 
It means trusting, having faith that God will be true to God's word. When we obey, we don't try to control our lives and the situations around us by our human strength. Instead, we focus on the Lord by keeping God and God's word before our eyes and allowing God to lead us in God's ways. And then we trust that God will fulfill God's promises. Amen? My good friend Betty said something I've totally forgotten part of it. Betty, what did you say about the fact about the trusting and the prayer thing? You remember that the other day? No. It was something along the lines of the fact is the things that you worry about the most are the things you don't trust in God the most. Mm. Yep. So the things that you don't pray about, you're not trusting God for that. You're trying to do your own thing. And it shows. Our anxiety, our worry, our fear... None of those things are from God. They're from us. They're from the other side. They're from evil. They're from our own self-conscious about thinking we're in control somehow. See, we can't claim to love God without obeying God. Human obedience to what God has called us, it might just be making a simple phone call because God said, you know what, you need to make that call. You ever had that experience where you just needed to call somebody and because it just kept you know, going through, you're like, I don't know why I'm having to do this. I don't want to do this. Maybe, maybe it's talking about Sing an invitation to somebody. Maybe it's walking across the street because God tells you to walk across the street. I don't know. Maybe it carries a greater challenge, like extending forgiveness to someone who has hurt you. Maybe it's moving to a foreign mission field where we say, you know what, I really don't want to go do that, but, but I will. Or trusting God by tithing that I don't have that 10% to give, but I'm going to do it first and I'm going to figure the rest of it out. How many stories have we heard about that and how God has blessed and, and worked through those moments? But when God asks to do something that seems impractical or inconvenient, maybe especially when it does, that's when we get the most abundant reward. Amen? When we go out of our way to actually obey what God is saying to us is when God can bless us the most. So let's commit to obeying God with the soul of obedience and love. And with a heart of gratitude for all God has done for us. The G and the O. Gratitude, obedience. The D is to come this next week. And I actually was able to get some bands. I only have 30 of them. I only have 15 today. But if you see me after, and you'll actually wear this band, and it'll help you remember these things like it does me all the time. I got a new one. See, now I can actually read it. Then I, I'll be glad to give you one if you're going to wear it. Otherwise, no reason. I can hand them all out to all of you, and half of you would find it in your vacuum cleaner in about six months or so. so. But if you think there's something that might actually help you to be able to live into God, then see me and let me know. First 15 takers, so... You better get in line first if you want to see one. It was Christ's obedience to us that gave us new life. It's his obedience to God. It all trickled down. Remember he was in the garden. Remember he said, I don't want to do this. I want to get out of this. Let, you know, but then he says, it's like for that moment he had that human moment, but then he came back to the obeyance. 
it came back to the fact is, but not my will, but what? Yours. Please take this cup from me. I don't want it. But if it has to be this way, then I will do it for you. Consistently and constantly, Jesus was obeying what God was saying and speaking and teaching. And that's why he said to his disciples, all those things in John, they're in John 14 and around there, are all happening during this moment. These last days. When he says, I give my new commandment to you, a commandment to love one another as I have loved you, it's a commandment, not a suggestion. To love one another. His love for us was so great that he would allow his body to be broken for us. And there is no greater love than to lay down your life for a friend. We hear that in the Bible. We hear it in life. We, we talk about it. His life's blood poured out for each one of us. Even when they don't understand because, you know, they're all sitting around trying to figure out what's going on and they don't understand what he's doing and he gives up on them after a while and, you know, it's time for it to start. And by the time they understand, it's too late. But he's still obeying. He's still present. He's still walking the path. He's still taking that via dolorosa, that way of sorrow and suffering. All the way because he knows what's going to happen. He knows that God's not going to let him down. That God's not going to let us down. See, that's the thing. We all know about the resurrection, but you know we know about that. They had no idea that was going to happen. And even for us, when we know about it, it's still pretty hard for us to take it in as being true and to being real. And we forget about the resurrection being linked to the crucifixion. But it all goes together because God had the whole plan. God has the whole plan for you to be able to do that. And most of us only see part of the plan. We talk about all the time about the fact is that our job is not to get to the end of the plan. Our job is like lampposts in the fog, like Weatherhead talked about, Leslie Weather talked about in his book about the will of God, that you need to get from one lamppost to the next. Your only job is to get from that one lamppost in the fog that you can see to the next one you can see, not six lampposts ahead. Jesus, listening to God, knew the whole plan. And so it was all laid out before us. So as you come forward this morning to receive, just think about what it is that means to obey. What does it mean to obey God in your life? To change what's going on and to be able to find that new way to seek God and all these things we talked about this morning. How do we obey God the most and give Him all the trust for our life? Let those coming forward to serve this morning come forward as we pray. Gracious God, as we enter into this time of remembering once again and we trust in your goodness and your grace and your sacrifice, pour into all of us as we gather here and pour into this bread and this juice. Make it be for us the reminder of your great obedience to the call of God to give us new life. And let us all find that same call this morning. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. People of God said together, Amen.